Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Parker Imerell, and this is The Conversation Station. Today's guest is a former Navy SEAL and the founder of High Ground Life, a coaching business that helps individuals, teams, and organizations achieve their full potential. He has over a decade of experience as a SEAL, specializing in master breaching and HRS team master. He has worked with professional athletes, world champions, business owners, leaders, and elite military members and is passionate about helping people grow into the best version of themselves and reach new heights in their life. So let's give a warm welcome to the one and only Mr. John Richards. Welcome on, sir. Dude, you absolutely, I got excited just hearing that. <laughs> Did you come up with all that? That was, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I do that. I do that for, for all of my, my, uh, my guests, but the, the heart, the hardest thing about those intros it's not speaking. It's it, especially when I have some of the longer ones. Um, yeah. Is is because I only I have a thirteen inch laptop, and that laptop sits six feet away from me. Oh wow! Yeah. So 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 reading that's the hardest part. But I I love those intros, especially because in in the in the final episode, I put some I have some pretty cool intro music that goes behind it, and oh, it's cool. and so that that's that's actually one of my favorite parts of podcasting is. Uh, Doing the intro of all things, dude. No, you, you, that's a gift you got right there. That was really, really cool. You sound like a professional on air radio host. <laughs> I'm like, We're getting there. About me. I'm like, dang, I'd like to meet this guy. I'm like, John, he's talking about you. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Parker just made me sound really cool. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, why don't we just start out? You give the, the audience a bit of a, a background in terms of the things that I may not have covered in, uh, in, my, in my intro. Yeah, let's do it. So, as Parker said, my name is John Richards. I grew up in a small town in South Georgia and kind of sort of always knew I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Um, I remember I was in first grade. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but I was in first grade and I was hanging out with my dad and he shows me a picture in a magazine and he goes, hey, that's the baddest dude on the planet right there. And it was a Navy SEAL and it was the quintessential Navy SEAL picture coming up out of the water, rebreather in the mouth, guns and everything. I'm like, whoa, okay. So, that's the dude. Um, and from there on out, I always had this weird, like fascination with Navy SEALs. And then it turned into a fascination with special operations in general and learning about the others like Army Rangers, Green Berets, Marsoc Raiders, Air Force Pararescue Jumpers. And they're all great. Like, do they, for some reason, people think there's a rivalry between the special operations communities. There's not, man. We're all on the same team and they're all very hard to get into. On that, as I learned more about it, I started to discover the job of a Navy SEAL was more of what I wanted to do than the others. So Air Force Pararescue Jumpers, for example, very, very hard pipeline and selection course, but their bread and butter is tactical medicine, uh, performing medicine, performing field work and, and things like that. And I love those dudes, man. I've, I've worked with great dudes from that community, but I, I knew I didn't want to do medicine. I wanted to do the job of what Navy SEALs do. So that's where I went. And I enlisted in the Navy in May of 2011. I tried as early as 2009, but I had back surgery when I was 19. So I had to get a ton of waivers, which just extended the process even longer to actually get into the Navy. So said goodbye to the family, May 15th of 2011, which actually was just a couple of days ago. 12, this past Monday would have been my 12 year mark in the Navy and um, went to basic training. And I had my contract drawn up to go to BUDS, basic underwater demolition seal training, which is the Navy SEAL school, for lack of a better word. And graduated that whole pipeline. It was a two-year training process. Graduated there in June of 2013. Then I went to language school. Did, did that tell you that? Did you know I spoke another language? No, I did not. 
Yeah, when, when I say I speak it, like, eh, I can't really anymore. It's been so long. But um, back then, for whatever reason, before when guys would graduate and before they would go to the team they've been assigned to, we went to language school. So every day for three months, Monday through Friday, eight hours a day, I was learning French. So I learned French and then went over to Virginia Beach and checked into SEAL Team 4. And I stayed there until 2019. And then I got to work with phenomenal people, especially when I first checked in, seeing all these guys who had been at war for the past almost decade, right? Like they're, they're literal war heroes, but now they're my coworkers. And coworkers may not quite sum it up, but that's what we're going to say. And just getting to be around men like that. And I felt like I got to stand <clears throat> on the shoulders of giants for a really long time. Then I was fortunate enough to be in really good platoons, have really good leadership, have really good teammates. And I did two deployments to Europe all over the continent. We would go to all these different countries and train their equivalent of Navy SEALs, as well as help them with other things. And then my final one, I went to Africa, East Africa, middle of nowhere. Um, that was cool. It was cool to see that as well. Um, living out in the middle of nowhere, growing your beard out, living in a hut, it's kind of cool. And I uh, came home from that and went off to the training command where I got into the Hearst stuff, as you said. So the HRST is called Hearst Master. And that's anything where guys are jumping out of helicopters, roping out of helicopters, uh, static line jump master. Anything helicopter related is what I was teaching for the SEAL team itself. So that was really, really, really cool to kind of wrap up my career in an instructor role. Because uh, it was time for me to go. Like I got medically retired, and, and we'll get into all that too. But it was cool just to give back to the community in a way I hadn't yet. And also, kind of found I really enjoyed teaching. I really enjoyed taking what I know and having what we call knowledge transfer. But how do I get this individual to understand what it is we're trying to teach them? Because what we're trying to teach them is a really big deal, and it can save their life. Um, and it can also take a life if it's not done the right way. You know, keeping everyone safe. So. That's really the overarching theme. Um, if you you want me to get into what calls medical retirement and that whole thing, yeah. But I, I also just before we get into that, I just wanted to touch on the fact that man, teaching stuff is freaking difficult. You can <laughs> know something so well, but you could have it mastered, and the knowledge might not be the issue. A lot of the time, it can be the the patience to teach yeah. people how to do these things and. Yeah. Um, for, for me, that issue lies in when, it, when, when in my mind, it's so basic. It's like, it's, it, 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 for me, sometimes some of these things, it's like it's automatic within my mind. And I'm like, wait, how is it not automatic, automatic within your mind? Mm -hmm. uh, especially in this digital age, trying to teach things to the previous generations around technology is incredibly, incredibly painful. But I think a lot of it comes down to having the, uh, the, uh, the, the humility and being humble enough to, uh, l put your ego aside and know that, hey, even if they're not getting it, it's not necessarily because you're a bad teacher. It might be because you're a bad teacher. But, uh, but knowing that, that you have to have that patience is so freaking difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and and it, it, it must have been even even more difficult and even more of a a, a just a harder thing when you're teaching life or death uh, lessons. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to scratch at what you just said and kind of make a funny situation here. 
with what you're talking about of teaching technology to the older generation, dude, that is hard. Like we're talking about a generation that accidentally has the flashlight on their phone on all the time. They don't even know it. So trying to get them to understand like deep nuanced technology is yeah, that that's not going to be me. I'm, I'm not your dude for that. But yeah, um, so I'm just going to be honest with you, man. I was not a natural at anything I learned in the SEAL teams. Everything was super hard for me. My mind just was not naturally inclined to take on these things. So I'm not mechanically gifted. Like it just, I, I suck at tying knots, but I'm supposed to teach it. So honestly, my struggle at the team of not being able to grasp this stuff super quick ended up being my gift as a teacher because I've been able to learn this from teachers and then put in extra work myself to learn it. And now I'm a guy who's in a position to teach it. So when we do have the, the student who or students who may struggle to learn it, I understand exactly where they're at. And just like you alluded to, man, I, I try and offer a ton of patience and grace and in helping these guys learn these things. And at the end of one of the things I would always tell myself, like you're talking about with the patients, Hey man, if they understood this, they wouldn't need you. And right now they need you. It needs a big word, right? Like they have a big need for what you know how to do and take this and teach them. And so one of the, the gifts I do have as a teacher is understanding where people are at and like why they aren't grasping this thing. And so you'll see some teachers get up there and say the same thing over and over. And let's say 90% of the class gets it, but there's two guys who don't. And that one teacher keeps saying the same thing over and over. It's like, Hey man, you've done the same thing 10 times now. They're not going to get it on the 11th. So observing that and seeing it quickly and being able to step in and figure out where that disconnect is, whether it's tying knots or ringing up a helicopter or helicopter or even jumping out of the helicopter itself, but consistently having that patience to know, John, they've never been through this course. They're not expected to know it. And what I think you should know doesn't matter. All that matters is what they do or don't know. And it's on me to meet them where they're at to get them to where they need to be. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting what you said there about, um, about, you know, if you're saying something the same way over and over and people aren't getting it. And I think that's one of the issues we're running into with the, uh, the school system. I'm homeschooled. I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to have that opportunity, but there are plenty of young people who don't. And I think the issue is that our school system is the mass production version of education. It, yep. it, it, it is a, it is a one size fits all solution, but anyone knows one size fits all t-shirts suck. Yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting because I, I have only been doing homeschool since, since I started high school. So I went through, through the wall, I was in Wald, the Waldorf school system, which is an alternative, uh, kind of, as I would categorize it, hippie school system, <laughs> which was not for me. I was in that until, uh, I guess in sixth grade, I moved to a, a charter version of that, which was a little lessened, had an amazing teacher uh, who actually served in the Navy. Um, and and then uh, after that, I, I had did one year, eighth grade, at this other school up here during COVID. It sucked. But, I, but through that, I learned that, hey, none of those solutions worked for me. And so it's interesting if we take a look at the education system as a whole, it's such a, a, a mass production approach. And it's so interesting that, that 
with all of the these uh, movements and stuff to stop like mass produ- producing items in China, like uh, especially with these fashion brands, these fast fashion brands, there's all of this retaliation against them producing and doing mass production, but there's not nearly as much retaliation against the mass production of knowledge and the mass production of people. No, you're completely right, man. And um, nothing that's ever been great was mass produced, right? Even in special operations, we say you cannot mass produce special operators. By definition, you simply can't do it. And so I'm, what I'm hoping for, it sounds like your parents have done this, is that parents are beginning to wake up and realize my child will not be optimal going through the conveyor belt school system. It just is what it is. I'll, I'll call it like I see it, right? And in school, especially the public school systems, we're taught failure is bad. And so before I lose people here, just just stick with me for a minute. In school, you're taught if you're wrong, you failed. Where in life are we always going to be perfect? We're not. It's, it's just simply not a thing. Like you're a young entrepreneur. I'm sure you've already failed multiple times. But sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, right? And so school teaches us, oh, I have to constantly stay in this, this little box in this lane and shoot this linear path. And life just doesn't work that way. So what's great about places like Acton is we're now having people who are teaching emotional IQ, collaboration, interpersonal skills, and all these things that get you ready for life, right? This past tax season, I didn't really need to know about mitochondrial DNA. I need to understand a balance sheet, and schools aren't teaching that. So it's great that we have places like Acton Academy that can help, and homeschool like you're doing, that can help grow these young kids as people and not just as school students. Definitely. Um, it's... It, it, it is interesting to the, the failure thing. It is one of the greatest lessons is you there. The, the only time you fail is when you give up. Yep. Like, like I've, I, I haven't, I, the only time I've ever failed in working out is when I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I, I mean, some of my workouts aren't, haven't been as hard as I might've wanted to go or as much, but, but the fact that I did it just like this podcast, do you want, you want to hear a crazy statistic? So yeah, 95% of podcasts fail after 10 episodes. They stop. And that's that's failure. But yeah. and, and there's another uh, element to this statistic. 90% of 90%. So uh, so here's something interesting. 90% of podcasts don't go past 3 episodes. 95% of pod uh five but then after that n- n- 90% of that 90% doesn't go past 20 episodes. So by mm-hmm. doing 21 episodes, you're in the top 1% of produced podcasts. Yeah. So I think that it shows you that the only way you fail, the my podcast would not be growing if I wasn't doing it. My social media presence wouldn't be growing if I wasn't putting out content. Anything you do in life, you're never going to get better if you stop. You're never going to learn if you stop. You win or you learn. I certainly have had times where I've had some episodes where I'm like, I didn't do a great job hosting there. But guess what? I am a 10, I am a hundred times better host than when I started purely because I kept doing it. If I had stopped after three or four episodes, now uh, I, I, I almost did stop after three or four episodes. In fact, I stopped for like six months. But if I if I hadn't brought it back, I wouldn't be I wouldn't I would probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't have gotten to network with Nick Kumalatsos and some of these other incredible guys I've gotten to talk to. And so what you're saying is so real because there is no failure if you get back up. 
Right. No, dude, you're hitting the nail on the head. And one of the things I want to branch off a little here and then we'll bring it back to relevancy. Like podcasts failing, like small businesses failing. What if people learn to step back and go, why do they fail? What is the driving factor, right? So I forget the numbers, but it's very similar to the podcast percentages you just said of small businesses failing within a year or two years or three years. Well, let's step back and look at why. Because if you want to be great, don't do what everyone else is doing. And if 90% is failing, don't do what they're doing. So if it's someone just randomly quitting their day job and trying to start a business that they've got no track record, no track record, no revenue, yeah, you're probably going to fail because you're going to have to go back to your regular job to make money. Same thing with the podcast. Why do they fail? Well, did you just randomly wake up one day and go, I want to interview people. I'm going to start a podcast. Well, you're kind of destined to fail. You're, if you don't, if you, if failure to plan is planning to fail, right? So just the fact that you know those statistics makes you an outlier right there. Because not many people probably actually, I didn't know that. Most people probably don't know that. So if you can just learn those numbers, that helps you. But then if you can learn the why behind those numbers, it severely helps you. And with failure, dude, I learned way more from failure than I ever did succeeding. And in fact, in second phase of BUDS, which is the dive phase, when you learn how to combat dive and stuff like that, there's a week called pool week. And the final thing you do is called pool comp. And it is a accumulation of all these things you've learned all week. But every day that week, you have tests. And I failed mine every single time. Out of eight of them, there were only two I passed on the first attempt. The first one I passed on the first attempt, I don't know how I did it. Be honest with you. It was it's called a nighttime ditch and dong. And that's where you and your buddy, you go down, the instructors come. I mean, do they hit you? They throw you around, they rip your tanks off your back. It's it's very gnarly and aggressive. With nighttime ditch and dong, they actually put tape over your mask so you can't see. So it simulates nighttime. And the test that day was nighttime buddy ditch and dawn. So while we're getting hit by the instructors, we have to work through our procedures of getting our tanks off our back and the whole rig off of us underwater, sharing an air source, and then putting it on the other buddy. Me and my dive buddy passed that somehow, I don't know. But I mean, even the simple test, I was failing. Sometimes I failed twice and you only get four attempts. Sometimes I would go to that third attempt, fourth attempt. But what happened was each time I failed, I was making a new mistake I hadn't made yet. And while this may make me sound like an idiot, by the time pool comp rolled around, I had made every mistake possible. And I don't repeat mistakes. Like that is a hard and fast rule for me, man. Like you can make it once, but once you've been corrected and you know the right way to do it, we don't do it again. So by the time we got to the hardest test in second phase, I was ready. There was nothing new. I, 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 you weren't going to show me anything I hadn't seen because I hadn't messed this up so much already. So I actually passed it on my first attempt. And once you pass pool comp, there's like a 95% chance you're going to be a Navy SEAL. Like this is a huge, huge, huge gate to get through. I know guys who've been dropped from the program for failing pool comp. It's, it's serious. And what's crazy is we have this whole list of guys in my class who hadn't failed at all yet. And then they get to pool comp and it took them their fourth attempt to pass because they weren't used to failing, pressure, seeing things they hadn't seen. Whereas I had just been beaten over the head with all these mistakes and I knew like, I had developed my own system to get me through this thing. So because of my failures, I was primed to pass the most important test of the, of the phase. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to just notice how much, how, how vital a role that, that failure plays in, in success. Like I, I would argue the most important part of success, the most Im important part to becoming successful 
is failing more than you would ever wish on your worst enemy. Yeah. I mean, like Thomas Edison, dude, this isn't hyperbole, but I'm pretty sure he failed 1,000 times, if not more, making the light bulb. And someone said, how do you fail that much? He goes, well, I never failed. I just learned what didn't work. And now we have lights, right? Like, what, what if he had given up after the first or the 10 or the 100th? But he knew something was there and he kept going and kept learning and kept refining and got better and created the light bulb. Yeah. It, yeah. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's move it back a little bit and let's, let's, let's touch on what you were saying earlier about uh, what, what caused the, uh, the medical retirement and all that. I'm curious. Yeah, so, um, I was medically retired in October of 2022. That was when it came to an end. Um, I had been in what's called medical board for 18 months at that point. And that's when you were so injured, they think you cannot continue on with your career. And it's in your, your best interest and in the team's best interest for you to move on. So back in 2017, I started going through these weird bouts where I would stand up and get lightheaded. Which doesn't sound too abnormal, you know? And then one day it got so bad, I stood up in my hotel room <clears throat> and we had the room blacked out. Like we had the curtains drawn. We were trying to take a nap during the day. And I got severely lightheaded. And with the room being dark, I couldn't find anything to grab onto or even just look at something to figure out where I was in space and, and re-get my spatial awareness. And so I ended up collapsing. Um, I mean, I was, boom, like a sack of potatoes. And I, I wasn't fully unconscious. My whole body had gone numb and I was super tingly. Uh, but on the way down, I cracked my head open on the bathroom counter, just dead weight, boom. And that knocked me out cold. I was out at that point. And I was only out for like a handful of seconds. But as I woke up, the first sensation I noticed was blood running down my neck. But since I had been numb when I hit my head, I actually didn't feel the hit itself. So I'm like, what, what is going on? Um, my roommate was a medic, so that worked out perfectly. And I'm like, hey, dude, I, I don't want to say his name. I'm like, hey, dude, I, I, need, I need your help. He's like, you're, you're what? And he sees me, puts his hand on the wound to stop the bleeding and just takes me, drags me to the bathtub. And from there, we work a plan. We go to um, the University of Arizona's ER, get staples in my noggin. Super easy. And then I had to go in front of the, the SEAL Team 4 medical staff. And I didn't want them to know I had been getting lightheaded on a regular basis because I wouldn't be able to work. I knew what was going to happen if they knew this was a serious thing. And luckily, dude, like they gave me the excuses. Or, oh, dude, yeah, you're probably just tired, too much caffeine. We're in the desert. You're not sleeping well because we're training day and night. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's all it was. I just, just not enough to eat. That's all. Yeah, cool. And they're like, yeah, fine, dude. You're good to go back to work. And that was the final few days leading into Thanksgiving. So we go on Thanksgiving break. We train some in December. And then in January, we were on a combat dive trip. And I black out underwater. Not good. And as we're approaching the ship, I could feel my body getting like warm and buzzy and tingly. And I knew what was going on. I, I, I knew, oh crap, I'm about to black out. Well, we dive, we don't dive a regular scuba rig. We dive what's called a Drager rebreather. So it doesn't blow bubbles. You inhale and air comes from one hose. You exhale and it goes into another hose. That expended gas goes across a bed of rocks that scrub out the CO2 and then it recycles into oxygen again. So you're breathing oxygen the whole time. And one of the issues with that is if your rig goes bad, you can go hypercapnic, hypoxic, and all sorts of other things. And the remedy is just get to the surface, take your mouthpiece out, and breathe air. And so I was thinking, okay, maybe that's what's going on. I, I, at the time, I didn't think this is the same stuff I've been seeing. I just know I'm feeling weird, so I need to get to the surface. And it's happening so fast, I don't even have time to tell my dive buddy, like, we need to go up. And we're tethered together. And so I shoot to the surface 
get my mouthpiece out, and then I black out on top of the water. But I'm breathing air at that point. So I'm floating on top of the water unconsciously. And then he look, he's underwater, and he looks around, and he's like, where, where'd John go? And he looks up and sees me, and he thought I had just lost my buoyancy control. Like, he thought I accidentally floated to the surface. So he pulled me back underwater while I was unconscious with no mouthpiece in. So now I'm unconscious and drowning at the same time. And what's wild, man, is while I was blacked out, blacked out, I knew I was drowning. I could feel the water going down my throat. I could feel my head thrashing, looking for air. Uh, even an unconscious body will put itself in a position to breathe. And so that's what's going on. And other than pulling me underwater, he was on his game that night. He said very quickly, he heard gurgling and thrashing, looks over, sees me convulsing with the mouthpiece in. He's like, oh, crap. So he shoots me to the surface and then I wake up. Um, and at that point, that was the first time in my life I ever answered a question out of pure fear. Uh, the instructors were up on the ship looking down like, hey, what's going on? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I was shaking. I, I don't know. I don't think I need to go under. Again, I think I just passed out. They're like, what? All right, stay there. So they pull me out. Uh, we do the whole medical thing there for the rest of the night. Like I had to go to the decompression chamber to make sure I hadn't come up too quick and there were bubbles left in my blood and brain and all these other regular dive things. And that took us to like two or three in the morning. So the next day I have to go back in front of the medical staff and they're like, dude, what is up? I'm like, okay, well, y'all know of these two incidences, but actually for months now, when I stand up, I get super lightheaded. And they're like, all right, well, you can't train, dude. Like you, you can't operate like this. Like what if, what if you had had a machine gun in your hands and you lost consciousness and you just and shoot people, you know? And I fully got it. Like they weren't wrong for doing that at all. They were completely right. So they told me if I wanted to operate again, I had to go through a full medical workup to get cleared. And um, I went to cardiology. It was normal. Neurology, a basic neurology scan was fine. Um, and they're like, all right, well, the next department you have to go see is mental health. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's yeah, a check in the box. Like, there's nothing there. And I sat down with mental health, and that's where I would dwell for 12 months, man. Um, turned out I had been running so hard for so long with no restoration my body was shutting itself down in an attempt to keep me safe. Um, and what was going on with the early lightheaded phases was my subconscious linking up with my body, trying to get my attention of, Hey, we need rest. You're not get like, we are shutting down. And also what I didn't realize too, at the time I had PTSD, I had almost died like four times, like serious, like really, 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 really close to death. But in the SEAL teams, that's, I don't want to say normal, but like, Dude, I've gone into a death spin yeah. skydiving and had 15 seconds before I hit the ground. I figured it out, got my parachute out. I landed. I'm like, huh, that sucked. I need to get my, well, I got to get ready for my next jump. So you just constantly live in this extreme environment. And you don't realize the toll it's taking on you. So I was carrying all this baggage that I didn't realize I had. And my body and mind are beginning to freak out because it's not, they're not feeling safe anymore. And they're trying to get my attention, showing me like, dude, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. You've got to stop. All right, we're going to make you pass out. Okay, you're still not stopping. All right, we're going to make you pass out underwater. And then finally, I got the hand. And um, I, I said the neurology stuff was normal. Once we did the more in-depth stuff, we did discover I had multiple traumatic brain injuries from being around so many explosions, just getting my, my noggin rattled. So long story long, um, essentially emotional fatigue, uh, mental fatigue, traumatic brain injury, PTSD was all finally starting to take its toll after a decade. And at that point, they realized, like, this isn't getting better, man. Like, you living in this environment could result in you dying, and it's time for you to go. And so I went to the medical board process, and that's when they deemed me fit to be medically retired and no longer a part of the SEAL teams. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy how how much the mental side, and I think a lot of people do neglect that, how much the mental side can affect your your physical health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it's quite interesting. Uh, I mean, that probably that that must have totally sucked for you, especially because you had worked so hard to get there, and then just like, bam, it it, it got you know to some degree taken away. Um, yeah. I've, I've told multiple people, man, um, the hardest part of my career was getting out. It, it wasn't buds. It wasn't hell week. It wasn't a crazy thing on deployment. It was simply leaving. And your humans are meant to have humans, right? We're all meant to have a tribe. Uh, but I happen to be in a very, very tight knit tribe of which I've been working very hard to become part of. And now out of nowhere, I'm being severed from it. Even though I know it's best for me, I, it is time for me to leave. You're still being disconnected from your tribe this thing i'd known for over 10 years you know and so even once so i i I still tricked the medical staff into letting me deploy that cycle it's crazy (laughs) and i came back to virginia beach took the instructor role i was telling you about and then things got weird again even there at this training command so i wanted to stay out in front of it so i reached back out to mental health just to talk to them let them know what was going on and i didn't realize it but i was basically self-reporting and at that time, the mental health provider labeled me NPQ, which means not physically qualified. And I didn't realize she did that. So I wasn't allowed to do anything at that point, but I didn't know it. So I just kept doing stuff. And I start putting in applications to become a team leader at these different teams because it's time for me to leave the instructor thing and, and go be a, a team leader. And she calls me one day. She's like, hey, John, what you doing? I'm like, hanging out at work. What you up to? She's like, hey, why do I see you're, you're putting in a package to be a team leader? I'm like, because I'm want to be a team leader. I don't understand what you're asking. She's like, John, you're, you're not physically qualified anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, last time you were here, man, I, I made you NPQ. You'll not, I'll never clear you to operate again. Like we worked through a storm with you to get you cleared. And then you came home and then you took this new role. That's super, a lot easier, a lot more downtime, less taxing. And these problems are still popping up. What do you think is going to happen if we send you back to a team? Like we we can't roll the dice and just hope it works out. Because what if the next time you black out, you don't come, you don't wake up, you know? Uh, so that was what really kicked off the med board in itself. And from there, that was when like all these issues I've been neglecting really came to light. Um, it's weird. So in Hell Week, when you get done with Hell Week, you've been awake for five and a half days. That's not hyperbole. You have been awake that entire time on your feet. You're you're worn out. But when it ends, you could keep going. I, it just, you, you come to this weird place where you'll just go till you die. But what's crazy is when you get done, you could keep going and then you go to medical checks and then an hour later, you're completely useless. Like your body begins to swell, you get extremely tired, all this crazy stuff. So I saw that on a macro scale with my career. And once my mind and body figured out this is done, it began to hand me all these injuries I had neglected, whether it was arthritis, the PTSD, insomnia, and all this crazy, crazy stuff. And so now I'm being removed from my tribe, as well as having to deal with all these repercussions of all the things I just rattled off. So that was a super hard time for me to move through. And uh, luckily, I, I had really good surroundings, really good resources, and we've worked through it. And now I'm also helping other guys as they come out. And they'll call me. And dude, Parker, you would be blown away to a T. What they described to me is exactly the same stuff I've dealt with. And it's, it's because we're humans, man. And we have our limits. We have our capacities. And when you start taking things like tribe away from us and our purpose and our value in this place, we believe that we belong, the body and mind start to catch up and go, 
here come your problems, whether it's insomnia, weight gain, uh, hormonal issues, all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's great. Just crazy. Um, it, it is interesting because like when, when I, when I went for, uh, uh, like a like a four and a half mile run recently. Um, on and I was telling you about this earlier. There's this terrible loop. Uh, that that just is torturous. I wasn't mm-hmm. sore. I wasn't sore till I got home and, and and wasn't running for an hour. That's when I got tight. That's when I and 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 then the next and and it wasn't until you know the the next day when uh and then there was another day. I guess this one's more relevant. I did uh. I did 200, um, yeah, I think it, it was like 200 uh, burpees and 400 jump squats, or no, 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 I think it was 100 burpees and 200 jump squats, right? I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was not that sore for that day. Right. But then the next day, you know, that night, my body's like, oh, you're not doing this anymore? Okay, time to, time to hit you. Next yeah. day... I could not bend over to grab something off the floor. I had to go onto my knees to get it. Knees tight and sore, or what? Just tight and sore because I I hadn't I hadn't worked out in 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 forever, and that I was just like, bam! I didn't ease into it. I was like, you know what? All all the pain, all the suffering, you know, uh, David Goggins mentality, you know, just just torture yourself. Yep. <laughs> but like, I felt great the rest of that day. Yeah. But then the next day, I'm like uh, at, at my internship, helping them hang lights in a studio, and it it was like, like just I felt like an old man, and mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think that what you're talking about, anyone could see that on a uh, on a smaller scale by just yep. work out really hard, feel good the rest of the day, and feel the pain tomorrow. Yep, hundred percent. You pay to play, right? Like you, eventually, you're gonna have to pay the man for your experience whether it's doing air squats and burpees or a decade in SEAL teams or, or what have you. Um, just out of curiosity, along with soreness, how did your body feel that next day? Did like feel so, big and heavy or what? Um, that next day, I started to feel under the weather, which is very interesting. Like instantly. So I could, I could tell that night before I went to bed. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm going to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be feeling under the weather. So, yeah. so yeah. So I woke up. I was sore. I, I didn't feel like I could really walk. I was feeling just just under the weather enough for it to be uncomfortable, not like ultra sick, but I had yep. a bit of a cough, so mm-hmm. I had to make some tea and bring that with me all day. And and it was interesting. I'm like, hey, uh, maybe my body didn't like the fact that I just, you know, gave it no warning, really, no ease into it. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I, because I've been working out consistently for the last three weeks, if I went and I did that workout tomorrow, my body would respond a heck of a lot better. It would still suck. I'd still be sore. That's a lot yeah. of a lot of work. But my sure. body would. Uh, w- I don't think I would suddenly become under the weather. But that's that's that was my 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 response to that. No, yeah, I agree. And your body's seen it now, right? So if you take that exact same workout, not only are you in better shape, but your your body and mind has seen this before. So it's going to ramp up for it better. It's going to help you recover better. And you're probably not going to have a cough and sore throat the next day. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so I'm curious as, as you had to transition out of, out of the Navy, 
Um, where, where did that land you and how, how, what was the journey like to get to the point where you're at, where you're at now, where you're helping other people and how were you able to hit, hit the ground running or did you hit the ground running when you had to come out of it and, uh, move into the private sector? I don't know if I hit the ground running. I definitely hit the ground. (laughs) That's common, right? Um, No. So like I was talking about with being an instructor and I began to realize like, oh, wow, I really like teaching. Um, I began to just reflect on my time and my story of like, it's pretty gnarly to lose consciousness like that. And then the, the growth endeavor or growth journey that that kicked off for me of kind of blossoming into what I've become. And what's wild is, man, I feel like I became what I needed. Like I, when I was going through all that, I would have loved to have a, a guy to come to and talk to and help me just calmly navigate this situation. I mean, I used to be ramped up all the time, dude, talking a million miles an hour, just super fast. Da, 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 da. Now I like to think I have a more calmer demeanor about myself just through self-discovery. And so it dawned on me, John, you like teaching. You love teaching. Actually, uh, you've got a crazy story. You've gone through maybe the hardest military training in the world. There's probably value than what you've seen. And there's probably people who could benefit from having you work and mentor or coach them, you know? Um, so I stood up high ground life, which is what you were talking about earlier, where I just, I teach people how to perform higher in life. Um, clients, just like you alluded to, man, have ranged from NFL athletes to account CPA firm owners. Uh, and people hear this and like, well, dude, how do you, how do you work with an NFL athlete and an accountant? I guess those are two different things. But yeah, you're right. They are completely different. But before someone's an NFL athlete, before someone's an accountant, before someone's a Navy SEAL or a podcast host, you know what you are? You're a human being. And there are things all humans can be doing to improve and enrich their lives, to help them grow into a better version of themselves. So with the NFL athlete, dude, he's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. I'm not here to make him a better football player. What I'm here to do is to help him see himself for who he is and figure out what does that best version of him look like? What are the habits? What are the behaviors? What are the thoughts? And then we, we help, I help him grow into that. I don't say I make him grow into that. That's impossible. I, I walk with him through that process. And so the end state or like the overarching theme here is if we can improve you into the best version of yourself and then let that best version go play football on Sundays or go lead an accounting firm or go be a private equity owner, then the performance is going to go up because you're bringing a better version to the table to operate and to go up against the competition. So really, it all comes back to them being willing, ready, and able to grow into that best version of themselves. And you actually were alluding to this about realizing it when you're talking about podcast hosting. What's cool, man, is if I get with someone and they're right here and they see they want to get here, well, as we start getting closer, they can actually see down here and then we just keep going. So you constantly see this better version that you want to grow into. Just like you said, with your podcast hosting, right? Like you're 10x better than what you were and what you started as you could see where you wanted to go. But now, like when you do an episode and you go back and rewatch or listen to critique yourself, you're seeing a higher standard to improve to than you did when you first started. Whereas when you first started, you would kill to be where you're at now, but where you're at now, you're like, dude, I'm trying to get here. So there's just this constant growth that you'll never catch. It's impossible, right? Matthew McConaughey said it best. His hero is him five years from now. Cause I will never yeah. get to that person. No matter how hard I try, that version is always going to be a better version of me. And all I can do is chase it. 
A hundred percent. I love that quote from McConaughey. Um, have you ever read his book, Green Lights? No, I haven't. But uh, really I, I, I have seen the best sci-fi movie of all time, also known as Interstellar. Yes, sir. I agree with you. <laughs> um, but I, I think the, uh, the, the interesting thing that you said there is we become who we, who we needed when we were at that stage in our life. And I, I don't think that there's anything much more true than that. I think that any teacher, any guru, their, their goal at, at the end of the day is just to help, help the people who are at the place that they were Mm-hmm. become the best version of the, of themselves from that point and yeah. and i think that's interesting where in and and i think that in in business that is one of the best ways to go about it do something and then teach someone how to do it better than you ever did it yeah. and 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 i think the that that is what builds a successful business even if you're not in the coaching realm let's say you have a marketing agency and you, in order to grow the marketing agency, you had to market it. Yeah. And now you're just teaching people how to, how, or you're just marketing other people's products better than you were ever able to market your agency. Right. So I think that that's where it comes from in business. And then what I liked what you said, where you're like, how am I able to work with an account in an accountant and a football player? Well, because it's not your job to teach them how to be an account, an accountant or a football player. You so, are, you are teaching them how, how to get the fundamental basics of their mind. Right. And yeah that that is the most important part because i know personally i had a moment like 6 months ago or so yeah wow it was it's it's been basically 6 months in like a couple weeks it'll be 6 months i just had this moment where i had this mental unlock and and at that moment i was just like dang i haven't done a podcast in 6 months i haven't done anything in 6 months really and, and it was that moment where i'm like okay i'm just going to go become the best version of myself and the biggest takeaway i got from that is i is i let go of all the things i couldn't control because and and in letting go of that it it made me come to the realization that if there's something i want and there's something that I can't, and I can't control getting that result. The only way I can get closer to getting that result is by becoming a better version of myself because the, the best version of me is the only version of me entitled to the thing I desire most. Woo, dude, yeah. You're <laughs> just hitting the nail on the head with all that, man. And you know what's cool about having a lofty goal to get to where you're trying to go? Dude, make it super lofty. Lofty. Because even if you fall short, dude, up here is still higher than down here, right? Yeah. Like even if you don't hit the pinnacle, it's still going to be in a better place. So a guy I worked with one time, another pro athlete, we were talking about finances and goals. And he told me he wanted to have a $100 million net worth one day. And he's in the NFL, so it's a great place to start, right? And I thought, like, I asked him, do you think you can do it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what? I think you can too. Do people around you think you can do it? He goes, no, they don't think I can. I'm like, they're also not in the NFL, right? They also probably don't think you'd be in the NFL. But let, let's do, let's say he falls 90% short of that goal. He still has $10 million. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so if he can take it upon himself to learn entrepreneurism and once his playing days are over, figure out how to provide a service to people, go into the marketplace, solve a need, find a problem, solve a need, right? Like it's just going to take care of itself. I know a guy who started in bankruptcy with a $600 million cash portfolio in real estate. 
and he came out of bankruptcy. It was never in the NFL or anything like that. Um, it, dude, the sky's the limit, man. And all you got to do is just start chasing it and you're going to grow exponentially. And who cares if you never become a billionaire or trillionaire, whatever number, just chase the thing you're going after and you're going to get farther than where you're at right now, you know? Definitely. And I think numbers uh, almost matter the least in building a successful business. You should still know what you want and pursue it, but don't necessarily focus on like, hey, I want to make X amount of dollars. I think the the, the biggest metric that's going to deem the, uh, and yield the most success is by focusing on, I want to help this many people. I want to provide this value to this niche at this largest scale, because yep. that's, that is where the... Um, the capital is going to come along because when when you show no signs of the greed in that term in in that sense it makes everyone a hundred times more willing to help you get where you want to go oh dude you're hitting yeah you're all over man like if you get into business just for money you will never be happy you'll never have enough money you're not there for the right reasons you're going to show greed you're going to burn relationships all sorts of stuff the best thing a human can do is to go into business to provide a service and be there for other people. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a second. So I tell this to clients when we first start working together, if I'm speaking uh, to leaders, everything under the sun, to include the sun, exists for something other than itself, right? Like the sun doesn't shine just to shine for itself. It shines to provide light and warmth to the earth. But the earth isn't there just to be there. It's there to provide life and water to all of us living here. And even rivers, they don't just run to run. They run to fill the ocean to provide more life to fish. And even those fish, they're there so they can be eaten by bigger fish and help the ecosystem. And we as humans are no different, man. We're not here for ourselves. We are here for other people and to serve them. And one of the, if you can just learn how to love serving and helping people, making money will be a byproduct of doing something very, very noble. Yeah, and I think that it's in ingrained in our in, in our in just being human is a desire to help people. I think the thing people struggle with is how they go about it because I think that's the biggest disconnect because some people look at helping people as just charity work. But it's right. like like that's not that's not necessarily what it has to be. I think that it it just comes down to finding the place that you feel aligns with your values that you can provide value to people. I mean, I know with with my podcast, I my goal has been more just impacting people's lives and also in in these other things I'm working on and these people I'm working with. I have a mentor who's who pushed me to start this podcast by the name of Rodney Farrell and um and I do, I, I work with him on stuff, but my, and his entire thing is provide value to people. And, and the interesting thing is that's my thing is I, I provide value to him constantly. And the fact is it, it's helped me grow my podcast and he has such a huge network of people in the digital marketing space, which is the space I want to go into. So let's say, or, and, and just a, a huge network of, of entrepreneurs and business owners. So let's say a few years down the line, I start a digital something like marketing agency, something in that realm. But but I've been providing value to him and in turn helping him with some of the ventures he's been working on for some of these other businesses. And now, now it gets to the point where I have that, I have that credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And so even on that, let's step away from the digital space. My first ever client was my first ever client, right? No coaching credibility there other than if you know me, you know I, I communicate very well. But 
Uh, well, he might be a brand new coach, but he's been a Navy SEAL for 10 years. So there's probably something to be had, right? So that's kind of what I stood on for a little while. I was like, hey, you get to work with the Navy SEAL. I'll teach you all the tricks, right? Like I, I say that facetiously. I, I don't. That's not what I do at all. But the fact that I had this background and track record of doing very hard things and very hard endeavors consistently and getting through it, I can now pass that on to you as a client. And now I've coached enough people where I have a track record of actually coaching and not just being a Navy SEAL, you know? A- a- absolutely. Um, and and it's interesting for me to look at it where it's like, hey, when I when I started my podcast, right, it was... Uh, I, I just invited people I knew onto the podcast because reaching out to other people was scary. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the first guy I had on who I didn't like know super personally was Sean Briscombe, who I uh, who I met at the Apogee Strong meetup and had a short conversation with him. But I built a bit of a human connection there. But then from there, it was like I I, I started I've started mostly like working through the people that I've gotten to talk to through the Apogee program because there's a connection there. And I actually had a guy on who I had no connection to previously. And and so but it's also now I'm building out the credibility where if we look at it, I have had over over I have had people that total up to well over a quarter of a million followers on social media on my podcast. So it's, it, it, it has, it has become this thing where I have some credibility, but I also think my credibility does not lie in the fact that I've done, you know, 24, I think 24 episodes of a podcast. It lies in the fact that I'm 16 and I've done 24 episodes of a podcast. I think that, that, that's one thing that I did. Um, I I plan on recording a content piece later this week on is leveraging your age. Your age can be an advantage or a disadvantage depending on how you approach it. If 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 you're 16 like me and you go to a job where the job requirement legally is 18 years old, you're not going to get the job. Le- like like you can't. But what you can also do in that situation is show them that hey, you you go in. Or you send them a message like, hey, I'm not 18 yet, but here's all the things I can do for you so that when you are 18 you're the, and they need someone, they have an opening, you're the person they call. I mean, I've, I've gotten to talk to people I never would have gotten to talk to purely because of the fact that, that I am doing something hard at a young age. And I mm-hmm. think we live in this, in this society now where the bar has been set ridiculously low it's it is so ridiculous how low the bar is and i've barely i've been podcasting consistently for six months and the fact is that there's i I, i'm yet to come across uh, another 16 year old podcaster i i haven't come across it i haven't like been super actively looking for it but it's not something that I that you come across, and I think that even and 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 see, there are guests I've had on where if it was a forty year old dude reaching out to him to come on the podcast, they'd be much less inclined. But I think even if you are at that older age, now you can leverage the fact that hey, if you're forty, you have forty years of life experience. So there is there are ways to leverage your age and some of these things that you can view as a weakness. It's all about the mindset and the approach and having the, the, uh, the vision to know where you want to go. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right, man. Um, I teach people this all the time. There's no such thing as good or bad. It's all about how you view it. Right. So from a philosophical standpoint, 
nothing is inherently good or bad. And so people will say, well, John, you're a Navy SEAL. You're good. I'm like, nope. See, I'm good to you because you're American. But there's other parts of the world where they call us devil. And in that same part of the world, the people they call heroes, you call devil. Nothing can be good or bad. It's all what the individual human decides to label it. So label it accordingly and get obnoxious with how you want to learn how to label it. Um, I teach people ridiculous over-the-top gratitude to just drive at home and get those pathways moving in the brain. But you're completely right, man. You you being 16 is right now your shiny object. I, I don't even want to call it a shtick because I feel like that's cheap, but that's like your big lever. And for those of y'all listening, I've known Parker for a handful of months now from other things we've done. And I knew who he was. I follow him on social media now. And he sends me this wonderful voice message via Instagram DM. And he introduced himself. He sounded very professional. He addressed me as sir, which he knows I don't like, and just spoke very, very confidently and professionally. And the whole time, dude, I'm just getting more and more excited with every word you say because you're just you're just nailing it. Like you sound super professional. And then you even ended it with thank you for your time, sir. And so from the whole approach, yes, chronologically, you're 16, but you're not performing like a 16 year old. You're performing like a professional. So now not only is it this cute little show where a 16 year old runs it. No, no, no. It's not that at all. It's a professional who runs it. He just happens to be 16. So now you're getting, you know, you're magnet, you're magnetized by people who think it's cool to work with a 16 year old, but then really cool to work with a professional 16 year old. And even as you get older, that number is no longer so low, you're going to keep growing as a professional where people are going to hear it and hear you and be like, oh, yeah, I'd gladly be on that show, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because you can take things and you can either make them part of who you are or you can make them who you are. At the end of the day, I'm a professional. And I, but at the end of the day, I'm also 16. But my my main identifier is not the fact that I'm 16. Yes, when I when I run an intro to someone, when I send a voice message, I say, "Hi, I'm Parker Imerlis. I'm a 16 year old entrepreneur and podcaster." But the emphasis is on the entrepreneur and the podcaster. 16 is just that is just an element of of who I am. It's not it's yeah. not who I am. But I think also the fact is that I am 16 and I'm working towards this goal, this yeah. this thing. And so let's say when I'm 25, it'll be, hey, I've been doing this for 10 years. You want to come yeah. on my podcast? At that point, it will have grown because it's inevitable when you do something for that long, that consistently right. that it will grow. So yeah. it, the fact is that starting starting at a young age means that as as you lose the credibility of being young you gain the credibility of 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 having the experience and i think the fact that makes people excited to come on this podcast specifically is that i'm doing more than most 16 year olds but the fact is that if you're someone that starts young you're 16 right here and you keep going all the way down the line, staying consistent. The fact is, when you're 25, you'll have done more than most 25-year-olds because you were doing more than most 16-year-olds and doing more than most 17, 18, 19, 20, and, and you're working towards it so that every step along the way, you are working harder than everyone else and doing more than everyone else. Right, and not just harder, but smarter and more experienced. There's going to be problems that you can see coming from a mile away, that they won't see until they sit down and hit record and they start the interview and go, oh, crap, I was not prepared for this. For you, just another day, you know? And, dude, you're not going to be 16 forever, but you can always be professional. And as long as you ride that lightning, you're going to continue to grow. And then what you'll notice is while the 16-year-old um, shininess may fall off, 
there's going to be a new shyness that shows up. One that you can't see coming right now. I don't, I don't know what it is either. But as you continue this path and staying professional, other good things will get attracted that you'll be able to, to hold that title of. Yeah, definitely. And even just in the past five months of being very, very consistent with this, now I have an episode I'm recording this month with um, the co-founders, or I don't know if they're the co-founders, but um, but two two people that are high that are high up in a company that does that is creating an a fully encrypted enterprise um, chatbot. So like chat GPT, but for enterprise, because a lot of these enterprises can't give their information to chat GPT because now it's out there and they're using highly confidential information. And so what they're creating is um, a program called auto AI and they're coming on the podcast and they're going to do a, a live demo. And so the fact is that, yeah, I'm 16, but, but, but that at the end of the day, I'm doing a live demo for an enterprise product. You think that that's just something that would just happen on a 16-year-old's show where they're talking about surfing or whatever? Nope, no, this not. is this is a professional show, but the host just happens to be 16. So I get I'm super excited about that one. Um and and, and I I know her through some um through uh, I actually uh, went to San Francisco with Rodney, who I was talking about earlier, to a meeting with her and um, about a new uh, another venture that she's she's working on. And I met her in San Francisco, and I sat in on that that highly professional meeting, and I added value. So the only reason that she was willing to come on when I, when. Uh, uh, Rodney shot her a message because I didn't have her contact info, but the, the only reason she was willing to come on when she got that message is because I was at that meeting being a professional. Yep. And do growth oriented people won't care what your age is. All right. Yeah. Only a minded person like, I'm never having a 16 year old in there. That's dumb because you're losing out on value from a dude who can't provide value. So the fact that even at 16, you understand, yeah, I'm 16. I can't control that but I can't control the value I provide, the professionalism I strive for. And by doing that, these other successful people are gonna see and like, dude, I'll gladly help. Who cares if he's 16? He ain't a 16 year old. He's 16, but not 16, you know? Um, one thing I wanna ask you, and this is where the coach of me comes out. When you interviewed the first person for your podcast that you didn't truly know, know, how did you go about getting in touch with them? So it was a it was a guy on, uh, on Instagram who makes uh, content around like, just around um, cameras and all that stuff. And I just loved his content style because it was uh, different than anything I'd seen before. So what I did is I sent him a respectful professional voice message like I sent you. And that was that, but that was the basis of it. But what I had done previously just is, is like I had reshared his content onto my story. And the second, and then when he like, when he like liked the fact that I reshared and he reshared my reshare onto his story, that's what gave me the confidence to know that, Hey, you know, He's paying it. He, 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 he saw one of my things. So he knows that I'm supporting him. And, yep. and that's, that's how I went about it. And that one was fun. That guy is, he's, he's, he's super cool. Um, and, and so that, that is how I went about it. You want to know, here's something wild. Yeah. That's exactly how I know Matt Boudreaux. Yeah. Exact same way. Uh, I heard him on Mark Bell's podcast. It was in Sacramento. Um, and I'm, I'd never heard of Matt before. I never heard of the acting Academy and I'm hearing him and, Dude, don't get me wrong. I've been a Navy SEAL. I'm a coach, all this cool stuff. My greatest work is going to be my marriage and my kids. That is going to be my ultimate thing I can give society. So on that, I'm going to raise incredibly, incredibly strong men. And so when I'm hearing Matt speak, 
he is putting to words the vision I had for my own boys that I didn't know how to communicate yet. And I'm just getting lit up. I'm like, oh, this is phenomenal. Uh, I sent it to my wife. She started listening an hour later. She's like, hey, we're touring acting next week. I'm like, whoa, cool. You're on board. <laughs> and uh, then one day, so I started following Matt on Instagram. And I love his content. Like, he shares philosophical stuff. And quite frankly, I think he's a modern-day philosopher. And Absolutely. I reached yeah, right? Like, dude, just, he's got it. And um, I reshared one of his posts, and he sent me a thumbs up or a heart and said, thanks. And I thought, whoa, okay, he's active in the DM. So, I sent him a very well-worded, respectful message of introducing myself as, hey, my name is John Richards. I heard you on my show. I've been a Navy SEAL for over a decade. I was just medically retired, and I help people grow wherever they're at in life. da 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 And then I got nervous, right? Mr. Navy SEAL over here. I sent it, and 10 minutes later, I see that he reads it, but I get nothing back. I'm like, dang, man, that sucks. Eight hours later, I get a voice message back from him saying, let's get up. Like, it was a long one, really long one, but it ended with, hey, let's get on a Zoom call. And that's how this has come to be. And so that's how I ended up on the podcast you were a part of. And that's how I'm on this podcast with you, you know? So people need to learn, man. Don't be scared to shoot your shot. Worst case scenario, you get left on red. Oh, well, you don't know what you're missing out on if you just don't take the shot. Also, I'll tell uh, everyone listening, if you ever reach out to Matt, he's going to read what you, especially if you reach out via like social media or something, he's going to read what you say. It'll be a couple hours and he's going to send you a voice message. One, like most of the time he loves his voice messages, man. And, and I I love voice messages because it it is a better way to convey your excitement or whatever it is that you're trying to convey. But that's very interesting that, uh, that, that, that's how, how, uh, you went about it. And I, um, so, so here's the interesting thing. Um, Mr. Nick Kumalatsos, right. Who I, who I had on the podcast, um, he so how how i got him on is he had come on like months and like like a when i when i reached out to him it had been like a year since he came on the apogee strong call and i hadn't even been on that call but i had lis- listened to the recording and it was just you know it's great he's freaking nick kumulatsos how can you not love what he's doing he's doing great stuff yeah. but what what he um what happened is i just saw that this this uh this guy uh, viewed my story, and I clicked on his profile, and he had 100,000 followers. I'm like, what the frick? Because some of my stuff had been shared by the, uh, the Apogee account, but he was like just viewing my story, and he, yeah. left, a, he left a like on my story. Oh, cool. And, I'm like, and, then, and, then, and then I was like, okay, wait, okay. And then I'm like, okay, wait, I need to go through the archives and find this guy, you know, on, on, the, on the Apogee recording. Rewatched that like three or four times, just got me amped, started watching a bunch of his stuff. And then I just, I, I, I basically sent out a written version of the voice messages I sent to people. Um, and, and, he, uh, and he replied, and then it was a bit of scheduling him was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, just because he's a very busy guy and oh, he had yeah. to reschedule a couple times, but that episode was amazing. And the funny thing is, guess who gave me the idea to send my, my potential guests voice messages? Probably Matt. <laughs> no, no, it was actually, it was actually Nick on our oh, podcast. He was like, we, we had a conversation around, it was actually quite similar to this conversation where it felt like half a podcast and half like a coaching call, you know? Um, and we were talk, uh, talking about it and I was talking about how I struggled to reach out to guests because typing out a message to all of them, uh, I, I, it wasn't really my thing. And he's like, he was like, dude, you're a podcaster. 
send them a voice message and when and, and then he was like when i get voice messages i'm far more inclined to respond because i get far less voice messages than dms so there's a reason i've switched fully to voice messages so now, is that the main point for you he's why you do voice messages and no longer type it out one yeah i oh. i immediately that night i started from then on i was like reaching out to guests voice messages that's yeah. it was fully nick no that's awesome dude yeah, i love it i like um, the voice message you got, you sent me, I'm like, this is phenomenal. Like I've, I've shared it with other people. Like, I wish I could afford it. They won't let me do that. But anyone I've told I'm coming on this podcast, I'm like, dude, check out this message this kid sent. He's only 16. Listen to this. And like, they're just blown away. Again, you're using your levers and your tools and your talents to your advantage, which is great. Um, but no, dude, like stick on it. And even when Matt and I communicate, even if we're texting, texting, I would say 80% of our communication comes from voice messages. And it's cool, man. Like, I don't mind getting a two minute voice message from him because it's going to be worth hearing and he puts thought into it and you get good clarity and all the good stuff that comes along when a guy like that communicates to you. Yeah. And it's funny. He'll either send me like that or, or he'll if, if it's like a long thing, he'll, he'll, he'll send me a video. Right. And, <laughs> and, and that's, that's the same thing with my, my mentor, Rodney. He's not that good about replying when I send him text because he's oh, a really? busy, busy guy. Yeah. But the second I send him a voice message or a video, I can guarantee a response. Oh, um, dude, what's crazy is like on that. If I'm playing this ping pong game of voice message, the voice message, I'm more inclined to send a two minute voice message than to take 20 seconds and text something out. Yeah. There's something about talking that I think people would just rather do. I think it feels more natural. And so the, it's really cool how we kind of just stumbled across this, right? Like, and when I say just, I don't mean just now, but how Nick introduced to you, but now we're sitting here talking about voice messages are greater than texting out. And even though Rodney's a super busy dude, you can get a long voice message back instead of a 10 second text, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, and I think I think the point is that also you can fit a heck of a lot more information into those voice messages. Like like if I have something where I, where like I, I was following up with him about about something, I'm like, okay, here's X, Y, and Z, but then also here's this, this, and this. Um, and the the the. It's, I think it, where, what it comes down to is the human connection side of things. There's also a reason that podcasts and videos and vlogs have become far more popular than a blog post talking about the same exact topic. Because you want to hear that, that voice. There's a reason that I spent the money on the nice microphone. Because people right. want to yeah. hear the voice. They want to hear the human connection. And the closer you can, you can get what you create and how you communicate to people to the real human experience, the better. Like. Yep. If someone randomly who I hadn't heard from in months sent me a, a text message, a long text message, I don't know if I'd read it. Like, honestly, I don't know if I'd read it. I probably would, but I wouldn't be as excited to read it if I got a voice mess as if I got a voice message. Because I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, a voice message? What? You know, it's, well, it's, it's very interesting. You're, no, you're right, man. And like, um, for instance, right before you and I started recording, I get a text. He goes, hey man, can I bounce something off of you? And he he sent it without me saying yes or no, which I don't mind him sending, but it's a text message like that long. I'm like, Whoa, I can't get to this right now. I'm like, I'm going to have to carve out time to sit and read this and give it the attention and reply that it deserves. And when that happens, I'm not necessarily hunting time to do it. I've, I've just noticed like, okay, I've got some free time. I'll do it. Whereas when I get a voice message, especially from someone like you or Matt or someone important, I'm like, I need to go find somewhere quiet and listen to this. And like, I'll make it happen to go hear it instead of waiting for time to roll around to read it. 
Absolutely, and I think that it, it comes down to like, hey, there's this length of of like something, and you have to read. Reading is is effect is at the end of the day, it's an exertion. There is mental capacity that it takes, but when you listen to something, you're just listening and having a conversation. Yep. So I and and I think that especially when someone wants to bounce an idea off of me or something like that. That gets me amped. And if, if it's just, if I'm just like sending some, someone like a, like a quick message, just asking them a quick question, I'll send a text. If it's yeah. not something I need to go into detail on, like, Hey, are you available on X date or something? Right. Um, to, to just chat about something real quick. Right. Yeah. Then I might just send that as a text message. But if I need to, but if I'm haven't talked to him in a while or something, it's going to be an audio message. Um, mm-hmm. and, I think that that it, it it's an interesting thing, and I think another thing is entrepreneurs as a whole they're not the fastest to reply. They aren't at the end of the day. They're busy people, and busy people don't necessarily want to have to read something. And then the thing is, is busy people aren't going to necessarily be able to engage in a fast-paced back-and-forth text uh, conversation, which is what you kind of need for text to be effective. And so if you send them a voice message that's two minutes long and they can reply with two minutes, it slows down the pacing, but it doesn't get rid of the connection. Mm. Yeah, no, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. And like, like you just alluded to, super busy people don't want to sit and read. It's not a laziness thing. It is simply a bandwidth thing, right? Whereas if I get a voice message, I know, oh, I can keep walking or doing whatever I'm doing and just hold my phone right here and listen. The only thing I got to worry about is touch the screen every 30 seconds so it doesn't time out and restart. But I can feel like I can stay on the fly a lot more listening to a voice message compared to like having to look down and stop whatever it is I'm doing to read the text. Absolutely. If someone shot me a, a voice message, I mean, I could even be going for a run or something. I could still check it out. I mean, right. my, 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 my workouts in the mornings, I, I'm, I'm listening to the essential 11 every, every time that I go and I work out because it's uh, it's recordings of the Apogee calls. And mm-hmm. so, um, it's actually what inspired me to reach out to you again. Cause we, um, I hadn't, you know, talk to you since, since that call, as I was scrolling through, I'm like, Oh, that was a good interview with, uh, with John Richards. I'm like, okay. Uh, so, so I clicked on it and I listened to it, uh, while I was working out. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I, I gotta send this guy a message. So I got home from working out. And then later, later that evening, um, I, I, I sat down. I'm like, okay, here, here we go. The, also those recordings, all I can guarantee basically everyone I send takes two takes because Instagram has a stupid one minute limit on voice messages. So, right. and I basically do that on the fly and it's like, I'm trying to think of what I want to say and then I'm like, oh crap. And then I have to like fit things in at the last second. So then I'll like delete it and, and re-record because yeah. I'm like, um, and then I'll just pace it up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it's interesting that we just spent like 10 minutes talking about voice messages. And that's one of the interesting things. Like, I guess I can equate this back to voice messages. Talking voice messages with John Richards, this is the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because it's like, it's like a world. <laughs> what, what did you say? Tagline, having a voice in a voiceless world. Oh, in a world where no one has a voice, oh, the conversation did. station is here to help. Listen <laughs> as John Richards breaks down the benefits of voice messages. Ooh, that is some skills. Uh, I know you said we spent 10 minutes on it, but let's go 12. So with voice messages, 
do you feel like you're more inclined to send it in a more timely manner, voice over texting something out? 100%. I love public speaking. I'm not, a, wow. I don't enjoy right. writing that much. Yeah, and, so. and I'm so much more inclined. Like the reason that I started doing voice messages is because I told Nick, I struggled to sit down and find the time to write to these things out. But he, and, and then it's like, okay, just, just talk it, just say what you would have written. And it's easier for me that way. Even yeah. when I write, you know, you know, when I was writing one of those emails to someone, I used talk to text. Think about how, un- how, how like much of a, of a disconnect and a no brainer that that is. You're using voice to text to write something when you right. could just say it to the person. Yep. And, but yeah, it is so much easier. It doesn't feel like a thing I have to do. It feels like a thing I get to do, you know? Yeah. And well, in like with the texting thing, you run the risk of running into law of diminishing intent. Have you ever heard of that? Do you know what that is? Uh, no, I haven't heard that specific term. Okay. Perfect. Coaching time here. So law of diminishing intent basically states if you, for every like minute you don't do it, it becomes more likely that you'll never do it. So for example, let's say you're at a, a health seminar on getting in shape in the best shape of your life. And you get all fired up to eat right and exercise, but you've traveled out of town. You're at a hotel. And you're like, ah, well, I can't get to a gym right now because I'm out of town. And so you never work out that day. And then you go home and then you lose the luster and the mojo that came from that seminar. And then it just slowly dwindles down. And you end up never making changes, you never change your diet or never exercise. What you should do is when the seminar is over, step back and go, you know what? I don't have optimal around me right now. I don't have a great weight room and I can't really control my diet because I'm at a hotel. I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk and call it good. I might even go to the gym and do a hundred pushups today. Just something small like that. And then you can begin to build on it. So like you're saying, if I had to guess, let's say eight o'clock in the morning rolls around and you're like, oh, I need to type out or text out this message to a potential guest. The longer it goes without you doing it, the longer it's going to go without you actually getting to it. Whereas with the voice, you just step right in and do it. And now you've taken the law of diminishing intent completely out of the equation because you found this modality that you like to execute on. Yeah. And I think the biggest difference and in, in that regard is that sending someone a, a, a well-written like email, basically, because that um, would take me 10 minutes, you know, if I'm if I'm feeling excited about it, it's going to take right. me 10 minutes on a good day. Yep. But a voice message takes me five minutes on a bad day. Yep. So that 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 is the uh, that is the difference. And and dude, so much can, just like you said, man, so much can be lost in the text. When I hear from you, audibly hear from you, I can hear your excitement. I can hear the angle. I can hear everything you're trying to convey. Whereas I'm just reading off a screen. What if you're being sarcastic and I don't know it? You know, <laughs> like there's just so much. Yeah, to get lost. yeah. What? If, yeah. What if you interpret it like that? But but when I send these messages, I'm like, hey man, my name is Parker Imeral. You know, I'm 16 years old. Blah 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 blah. I, I I'm super excited. I, I I love everything you're doing. I want to have you on the podcast. Versus yep. if it's written out, hello there. I am yep. Parker Imeral. Right. You know, would yeah. you come on my podcast? You know. Yep. We really like what you do. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, well, we just did the deep dive on voice text. So for all of y'all listening, if you're not voice texting, get into it. So um, that's definitely going to be a, a clip there is like my epic trailer voice and you just like voice messages. <laughs> just if you're uh, texting, get into it now or you never will. 
get into voice messaging. <laughs> oh, th- it reminds me the other day I created uh, a f- for a uh, for a friend's birthday. Um, I basically created a horror trailer, like like short little thing because basically what I was doing is the the shooting star meme, right? Of him. Um, but what I did is I'm like, oh come on, that's like not that much work. I could do something more fun. So I found old sixties like black and white uh trailer footage of a horror movie. Yeah. And then I went and then I went um bu- Deep in a normal county, there is a guy, although he may seem normal on the surface. What lies beneath the surface may shock you. I had him on the podcast so I can say his name. Craig Terry is a star. And then it went (laughs) to the star meme. And and it was so I like, and, and it was, um, I don't know why I even started talking about that. Oh, yeah, because I was just doing the trailer voice, but it, it's fun. And that's one of the things I love about media is the fact that, like, hey, I, I did that because I wanted to. And yeah. the fact that I bought this stuff for podcasting, but I can use it for whatever I want. I mean, well, I could. Yeah. What are you saying? It, it's art, man. Like, you're, you're expressing yourself through media, right? Like, you get to put flavor, twist, flair, whatever you want into whatever it is you're working on based on however you're feeling that day. And you kind of get the, not kind of, you full on get the artistic creative vibes going and you're, you're finding a way to express yourself via media and it's up for interpretation. Therefore it's art. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so, so I want to talk about something that we, uh, we, you started to, well, you said something that I thought you were going to go into it, but you didn't. Um, what, but what I want to talk about is my first episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my f- if you go back, if I go back and I look at my old content, and it's something we we're talking about around like the improvement, I cannot handle that first episode. There are many episodes I cannot handle because I because it's just like like gut wrenchingly bad in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Now, some of other people might not notice it as much, but when I notice, I'm like, dang, I seem completely unengaged what's going on here you know really? and, and and well i think it also just comes down to my ability to connect to these people cuz a lot of the people i had on the podcast i hadn't ever talked to them one on one before oh wow like like think about it this is a, i've asked you a question on the apogee call mm-hmm. but our all, the rest of our communication has been through text yep so it's I've had to learn this ability to come into a situation and with maybe like luckily this time we had like five minutes um, while you were getting some gear ready. But sometimes it's I, I get on. I have 30 seconds before I start recording yep. to talk to just like be like, hey there, how are you? Um, and so it, I've had to learn the skill of being able to immediately connect with someone and i'm good at human connection i love talking to people love connecting with people but dang it can, sometimes there are people where it's just hard it's just hard and i've had to learn i've had to master that in order to be a successful podcast host mm-hmm. and um it, it's just it's a very interesting uh thing to look at as a whole because i'm like whoa i just really 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 am struggling to connect with this person and so sometimes a lot of my interviews the, the but it's not like it's a disconnect it's because it felt a little surface level and a little interviewee yeah i don't want my podcast to feel interviewee 
I want it to feel like this, like a conversation. There's a reason it's called the conversation station. So that is, that is one of the skills that I value that I have learned from podcasting is being able to instantly connect Mm -hmm. and take it to a deeper level with people. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, so for the, for the people not in media or like they've never been on a podcast or never hosted a show, when you have a great host, you won't realize what they're doing of like how hard it is to connect and the, the, the angles they're working on all this other stuff. And one of the best examples I can think of. So before I even say this, when we think podcast, most people think Joe Rogan, right? Like, yeah, but he has on gnarly guests who are really easy to plug in with. Um, there's a podcast called, do you care if I say it? We give them free ads here. You care if I say another podcast name? Go ahead. Cool. So, well, they say it on this show, no free ads, but it's called Saturday down South. And it's a college football based podcast with an emphasis on the Southeastern conference. My favorite show to listen to, but one, cause I'm a college football nut, but two, they have really good communicators as the host. And the host is Connor O'Gara. And I've actually been on there super easy to work with, but dude, he interviews athletes, young athletes, like 20 years old, and they're not known for being great communicators. And uh, now that I've done podcasts, I have an appreciation for a skill set of when he brings on an athlete and he asks them a really in-depth question of like, let's say, Hey, so you were on the 2019 LSU national title team. What was it like to work with Joe Burrow? And they just go, it's good. Okay. Well, so now he has to figure out, okay, uh, I've got layers I've got to peel back here. And so he's constantly having these different angles he can attack from to therefore create the connection as well as pump out words from the guest who doesn't realize, hey, man, you can't just answer a question with two words on a podcast, you know? Definitely. And so that's actually something from listening to The Essential Eleven. I've been using it to both, you know, listen to these guys that are awesome who have come on the calls, you know, months ago and just get a refresh of that knowledge. Mm-hmm. But also the the other major thing is that I uh, I get to listen to Matt talk. Matt is a master at getting answers out of people and the yeah. way he'll transition because that is one of the hardest things. If you have somewhere, just something you want to cover, because I don't come into this with too much. But I'm like, hey, it would be cool to talk about this thing, right? That transition is very difficult It's mm-hmm. because sometimes it can feel very abrupt. But, uh, but that's one thing I've studied with, with what Matt does is he's really easily able to transition. So I've been using it as a study tool on that side of things. But yeah, hosting difficult but when you're when you do it well it's really really good um yeah yeah. and one of the one of the best things anyone can do anywhere for anything is learn from people who are really good at the thing they're doing so through listening to matt you're basically achieving osmosis of how does he communicate you absorb it and then you go do it and um i did an interview for a team years ago like the team i was trying out for and I knocked, I did, I had to go to my board, which is me in front of like five of these very, very senior dudes. But I had been listening to podcasts for like two years at that point. And I used to listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss and that dude can interview, man. He is a great podcast host. And I didn't realize it until I was done with this interview with the, with the team. I just communicated like Tim Ferriss. Like I had gotten so used to hearing how he would ask questions, receive answers, ask questions off of, off an answer and things like that, where I just opened up the communication and people were like, dude, how did how did you do so well at your board? I'm like, I listen to great communicators. And I didn't realize it, but I was learning to communicate in the same way they do. Yeah, uh it, it is interesting. And that's um that's one of the things that I like to look at there is you you can use everything as a tool. And especially we live in an age where ev- 
some, there's someone doing what you want to learn on the internet. Maybe yeah. they're not teaching how to do it, right? Maybe there's not someone teaching it in the style you want to do it, but there's someone doing it in the style you want to do it. So you if you can it. learn, if you can learn how to break things down and learn from them, then you can master anything, anything on the internet. I, I mean, every, I'm, I mean, everything I know about production, I've learned from a couple, from, from like three different YouTube channels that have built that have built up like the reason that I'm in media is because I wanted to recreate an effect from Zach King. I, I have you heard of that guy? No, who's that? You've probably seen his videos before. He does like editing sort of magic videos. I'll shoot you one of his videos when we're done. I can guarantee you've seen it. He's he's his videos get incredible amounts of views, but I wanted to recreate something uh something he had done in the past. So I looked it up and there's this channel called learn how to edit stuff um and that channel is the reason that i got into this i watched a tutorial on that then i found a software that could do what i what he was doing in that tutorial for free and then i just started playing with it watched other tutorials um for a while my i'm gonna i'm just gonna go give shout outs because you said no free promo or whatever so now or no free commercials now i'm just gonna give out a bunch of free commercials my fate so from there it was like i i watched some tutorials specific to that software uh watched a couple of back back then i i don't watch it much anymore but hit film sensei and then Mm -hmm. um and then there's this uh, production crate. They have a website that has stock footage, a lot of great stuff. But they had a series. They don't do it anymore. And it makes me so sad they don't. It was called Saturday Morning Tutorials. And there was a whole storyline to the tutorials. Oh, and cool. I was like like maybe 12, right? 12, right around there. And it was, I, I watched those every Saturday. And that's the and and then there's and then there's a channel called Cinecom. They actually just got like all their gear robbed. I feel so bad for them. Um, like wow. ev- all of their expensive cameras, um, got stolen from them. I feel I feel terrible. That is freaking sucks. But they um, they also do tutorials there, and those channels right there that I just named mainly learn how to edit stuff, production crate, and Cinecom. That's the main reason that I'm in media right now. Wow. That's really cool, dude. Um, on a relevant question, I'm going to flip it on you a little bit and start interviewing you. Yeah. Who who are three people you want to interview for the show? Like, who are the three big names you want to get? And maybe not big as in famous, but like the three people you want to talk to. Okay. Number one. Um, oh, gosh. Because I, I had a list when I started, but then my list changed as I, my, my list has become completely irrelevant. Um, there's, but, but I think Alex or Mosey, mm-hmm. um, Gary V, those are, those two guys are like, you know, the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then let me, let me think for a second on this because there are so many incredible people out there. Um, I would say probably I, I, there's a, I want to interview this guy because he's so controversial that a lot of that that I know I would get a lot of unfollows because of it, but it's an interesting test. And that guy is Andrew Tate, and it's not, and it's just because mm-hmm. I want, I want to, I want to see what. And it's not necessarily; it's more that I want to talk to the guy, and I want to see what what he's actually like, 
because yeah. because he has such a strong strong personality that he he delivers some of the some some of the things he says I completely disagree with right but but some of the things he says he says really really wise things but he says them in the most vulgar controversial polarizing way possible in a Donald Trump kind of way <laughs> in a Donald Trump kind of way that's another guy I'd love to have on yeah. not necessarily on my list but um but like the the way that Andrew Tate communicates is very interesting to me, um, and the way he communicates is something I would like to learn from, and uh, so so that's a guy, um, and then and then there I'm trying to think of guys that aren't like I've because I've just named three guys that a lot of people would name, so I, I want to think of some guys that aren't necessarily as as blatant um there's a guy by the name of mmg he does gaming content which you wouldn't necessarily think would align with everything i do on the podcast but i can just he's a really really great communicator yeah and just watching watching him and be i've been watching him for years he has been a big part of like my journey just through rough times you know enjoying his content Mm -hmm. i mean there's a reason I still watch everything he puts out to this day. Um, and even if I, I, I only play video games once a month, realistically, um, but him and then, and then the, hmm, there's so many incredible people that I, I'm trying to think the, okay, I'll just list off some obvious ones, right? Jordan Peterson, right? You know, Donald Trump, Elon Musk, some of these very high profile guys. I mean, if I could t- have Joe Rogan on my podcast, that would be insane or go on that podcast. Yeah, There's a lot sick. of these obvious guys, but I'm trying to think of some of the guys that, you know, might not necessarily be as, as well known. And I think, I think a lot of, a lot of the guys that, um, let me think for a second. Uh, Hold, hold on, Shaq. so Shaq. Shaq. Gotta have a Shaq crack, baby. That'd be, that'd be cool. Uh, so let's dwell on one. What would you want to ask Andrew Tate or like just talk to him about? Honestly, I my goal would be to uh, to t- I just want I want to talk to him more about his journey as opposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to him about marketing. Because that's, yeah. no no Fair one enough. else realizes this. No, everyone talks about the controversial things he says. People don't realize that's the point, and that he's a marketing genius. It's controversial because you're hearing about it, and he—that's not an accident. And and the fact of the matter is, within the course of a month, right? Probably like right, 2022. Course of a month, he went from nobody knew who this guy was to you hear about him everywhere. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I want to talk about that. How how he planned that out. He's like Liver King. Yeah, uh, I I don't have that much respect for Liver King anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, no. and I never really did. He was just a weird dude. Interesting no, guy. No, I, yeah, and he claims to be off drugs. He's not at all. Whatever. Yeah. That's another talk for another day. But um, on Donald Trump, I'm actually reading his book, The Art of the Deal, right now. Have you ever read it? Uh, no, um, I've, I've been recommended that book. I got, I, I'll, I need to read that at some it's point. It's super good. Um, it, it's really cool hearing into detail, like how Trump tower came to be and all these deals and stuff like that. Hence the name art of the deal. But yeah, I think you'd like it. And while I don't think you need motivation, I think you have plenty. I think it just helps bring another set of eyes and experiences for you to learn from. Yeah. 
And and so so I want to I want to finish what I was saying on Andrew Tate because I yeah. think the the number one thing is I would I would I would touch on some of these controversial topics, but I think what what a lot of people lack is the fact that at the end of the day he's still a human. He's still a guy who has lessons to share, who's been through life and learned a lot. And yeah. I, I think market, the marketing side of things is what I'm so curious about because he took an approach no one else has previously really taken to marketing. Everyone else has always been make the populace happy with you, but his was so blatantly after the controversy. And it was so, it's so genius. And mm-hmm. that, is, that is what I would talk to, uh, talk to Andrew Tate about and then, but I also want to, I want to hear more. I want to get, get like his full story, like kind of what Matt does, you know, he'll have these guys break it down on the Apogee calls as to mm-hmm. like what their journey was like. I really yeah. want to hear that in depth because I've heard clips of it, but I don't think there's been a moment where he's fully broken down this journey. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And two, with how the media pervades him, you're never going to hear the whole story, right? Like it's their job to take the big story, isolate these chunks. that's going to get reads and follows and stuff, and then make you think that's what he's truly about. So a lot of the polarizing activities and behaviors and things he said, I would want to talk to him and open that up and get it out of that channel and really hear the why and the full side of things. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, that's the, that's the thing that I would, I would talk to Andrew Tate about is just because I, I, I wouldn't want to know, cause I know, I know, I know Andrew Tate, the sensationalist, sensationalist. I know Andrew Tate, the controversial guy, and, but I want to know Andrew Tate, the human. I want to know Andrew Tate, the hard worker. And I want to know Andrew Tate, the leader. Yeah. Or oh, world-class fighter. Like that gets forgotten about yeah. now. Like this dude was absolutely percent of combat athletes in the world. <laughs> Somehow we're talking about him being mean to Greta Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah. Oh man, well, it, it is interesting. That. Yeah, we don't it, have to. It, <laughs> we don't. We don't have to unpack the uh, the Greta Thunberg thoughts. Um, oh, okay. Like yeah. the fact that she flies around on jets while talking about, you know, saving the environment. Like, my issue isn't her message. Like, your message is good. Just don't be a hypocrite. Oh, it's also fake. She's propped up by the media. Again, the media wants you to see what they want you to see. So, cool. We found this 14 year old girl who can communicate in front of people. Proper up. It's all yeah. it so, um, yeah. Man, yeah. So, my question I'm, I'm going to throw the question you just threw at me. Not necessarily podcasting, but what, what, what are your three dream conversations to have uh, with three different people? Who are the three people that you would love to get to talk to? Ooh, that's good, dude. Um, one, I think, is going to happen here in a couple of weeks. So, like I alluded to, I'm a huge college football fan. And inside of that, I'm a huge University of Georgia Bulldogs fan. And they are the reigning two-time national champions right now. They've only lost one game in the past two seasons, and they are primed to make a three-peat and win a third straight national title, which would have been unprecedented in modern day. Last last time a team won three straight national titles was 1939. We all remember that season. Um, but I would want to talk to Kirby Smart, the head coach, the dude who runs the program. And I'm actually working – with the football team and him in two weeks. So uh, pretty excited about that. And I'm going to speak on culture, performance, leadership, being elite and things like that. So uh, hoping some really cool things come out of that and being able to talk to him. He's definitely one. Um, I would love a real one-on-one sit down. Don't even have to be a podcast. I mean, just, Hey, we're going to talk life. 
uh, with a guy named Dave Ramsey. Are you familiar, familiar, familiar with that name? Yeah. Cool. So I've been working this program for years. Um, it's been great. But what's crazy with him is people view him as, oh, the get out of debt guy. He's way more than that, man. He is one of the most gifted thought leaders of our time. Uh, his leadership stuff is absolutely phenomenal. He's had Jordan Peterson on one of his shows uh, in the network that he owns now. And so Dave is who I was talking about when I said, I know a guy who started in bankruptcy and almost grew a billion dollar real estate portfolio. Uh, I got to know their team really well. I was in, doing stuff with them pretty often. But when you when he comes on people's podcasts, he's sharing the message of getting out of debt and all this stuff like that. I would just want to talk to him about life, man. I would just want to hear what he has to say. He thinks very philosophical, like Matt. He's a man of faith, which I love, and I think it's great. And I would just love to pick his brain and just talk to him on the human level, not the level of, okay, when I come on a podcast, I'm going to teach you how to get out of debt. I, I want to hear how you grew a business from literally a poker card table in your living room to two 200,000 square foot cash owned buildings with an event center and grew a company that operates debt free and does a quarter billion in revenue every year. That'd be really cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Understand. It's kind of like the, the human, the human side of things that I was saying with Andrew Tate. Exactly that. Exactly that, man. Um, let's see who would, who would a third be? Huh. Mark Bell. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. No, Mark Bell. Yeah. Uh, we talked yeah. to him on the Apogee call. Oh, he came on? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, you know he's in Sacramento, right? Oh, yeah. I... Yeah. You know what I'm going to recommend next? <laughs> Reach out to him. I, 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 should, uh, I should shoot him a message. Um, it would be cool to record with someone like that in person because like mm-hmm. local, I mean, I could, I, I mean, the fact is that my, my entire setup could pack up into a suitcase. So, yeah. I, so I could do that anywhere. I might be able to help you with that. Um, so I interviewed a guy named Stan Efferding one time. Have you heard of him? I, I believe I've heard the name, but I don't, I don't recall who um, that is big in Mark's community and he and Mark are friends. And so I interviewed Stan and dude, we're, he and I were doing exactly what you and I are doing right now. And I told him I would love to talk to Mark. <laughs> He's like, how about you just ask me to introduce you guys? <laughs> so that's why I'm looking at you like go messaging or get mad to do it. Or I'll see if I can get a hold of him and get you. A hold yeah, of him. no, I, I, I'm going to message. I'm going to, I'll just see, I'll, I'll reach out to him. I need to, I need to talk to Matt. I need to, well, I also need to shoot. So I shot a uh, Tim Kennedy, a message on a, uh, on workplace, our platform, but he's never on there. So we didn't see it, but yeah. I'll shoot him something. Vi- Cause I want to get, I want to get him on more than any, like he's one of the guys I want to have on because the Apogee program has been the most impactful thing I've ever done in my life. And oh. I get to talk to Matt on a daily basis. I don't get to talk to Tim as much. Right, I, I've right. never gotten to talk to Tim. So I would love to, uh, to get to talk to, uh, Tim, have him on the podcast and just talk Apogee and talk all the things he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, there are definitely some, some guys I, I want to get on. Um, the crazy thing is scheduling guests as of recently has been very, very easy. Like, oh, like really? to an interesting degree where, you know, I, st- I got some of these guys on and then some of these people, um, I've had some guests on that aren't 
as huge of names. Well, actually, I mean, I just had Travis Chappelle on, who's talked to Shaq, has a huge podcast, has 40,000 followers on social media. But I mean, but I had scheduled him months ago. But what yeah. I mean is, as of late, like, uh, scheduled, um, just some of these people that are, I know through like Rodney's network and the people he knows is I just, I saw a guy on social media who I, I had never talked to him before and I, and I knew, but I knew who he was, um, th- through Rodney and he runs a podcast. I just shot him a message. I'm like, Hey man, I love everything you're doing. And then mm-hmm. from there, we just kept having, we had a conversation around, uh, just podcasting and stuff. I'm like, Hey, come on the podcast. One of my favorite episodes there. And then, um, the one I just did with a guy by the name of Alex Chomp, I met him, uh, in person when I, uh, uh, when I was doing something with Rodney again, um, that, that guy is very, uh, essential to, to the people I know. He's, uh, he's one of those people that is kind of like who I want to be. Like he's yeah. like that number one guy, yeah. um, but but then so so then I I, I had uh, Alex on and I and so I had shot him a message and he hadn't gone back to me because he hadn't seen it so I just had a uh, Rodney shoot him a message to get back to me right and then he got <laughs> back to me and then I had him on and then uh, Rodney reached out to the the people at uh, at that AI company to because I I had met them before and he he shot her a message to have yeah. me on. Yeah. Uh, or to have to come on my podcast and so i scheduled that one and then i just reached out to a guy who i met a few years ago at um when i did a shadow day at, at matt's acton academy in roseville oh, and cool. and i shot a message to him because uh, i've been loving his content recently and he's he does he has a digital marketing agency at like 18 years old um wow. So I shot, I shot him a message and I'm like, Hey, uh, well, we had, we had engaged on social media, a bunch back and forth, just chatted about some things, talked about how I was going to steal the style of one of his videos, expect, uh, audience, uh, well, actually you'll expect this this week because this podcast comes out on Monday. Also, if you're this far in, cause we are an hour and 40 minutes in, um, going, <laughs> yeah. Um, but if, if you, Expect a video, either it's already come out or it's coming out in the next couple of days around, uh, in a style, you'll see in the caption, I'll shout him out. Uh, he just has, he had a cool content style that I like, so I messaged him uh, after he posted it saying, I'm totally stealing this, and he's like, please do. And so we've been engaging on social media, and so we're going to connect there. Uh, we're going to connect on a podcast. I'm recording with him on Monday. Uh but it's gotten to the point where it's like it's just kind of been happening. But now I I'm gonna reach out to some of the names that the people that I like want yeah. to have on, yeah, uh, get, get back on that a little bit. But like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I I mean, you're one of those guys that I wanted to have on. Um, so basically, right after you came on the Apogee calls, like, oh, I should get that guy on the podcast. But that was right around when my consistency was fizzling out. Uh, and then it was like I I got back, and then I got back into working out a couple weeks ago, and I, the the first yeah the the first one of the the first essential eleven episode I listened to during a workout after starting working out was your episode um, uh, when you came on the when you came on the Apogee call. Oh, cool, man! Well, I'm glad and, we all were able to make it happen. Yeah, and so then I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna reach out to to uh, to John, um, and. So, yeah, that was, it's been, it, it is interesting how, uh, how some of these things have come about and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I, 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 
it would be awesome to get to talk to Mark. Mark is a very notable guy. He's also just a an interesting guy, right? Yeah, like I don't mean that in a good way or a bad way. He's just very, yeah. very unique. Yeah. Um, you know what? I've I've heard I dude, I've been listening to him and his brother for years and hearing them talk about people and stuff. I am willing to bet that if you went to Super Training Gym, just took yourself there, found him and introduced yourself and presented yourself professionally. Whatever you want, whatever you want to happen will happen. Dude, that's actually not a bad idea. See, I didn't know he was in Sacramento till he like mentioned it in like one video a couple months ago, or yeah. like I know, I, or I recognized a landmark in the background. Yeah. But that's one of the interesting thing I I found because I want to find local people that to 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 you know network with, and I've I mean I I have Rodney and the people in his network that are all local, but it's interesting. Um, there are no, there's not the closest Apogee guy, like Apogee, um, like, like young man to me is in San Francisco and that's a three hour drive. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a home. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, so it's interesting to, cause currently my, I, I'm like the people that I consider friends, the people that yeah. I really enjoy hanging out, the, 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 there are two people that are the core of that and they are 30 and like 43. <laughs> and I'm not joking. I'm yeah. not, I, I say this with full seriousness. I mean, well, I guess I'm, I mean that more locally cause I have my best friend who's, but he's out in Wisconsin. So yeah. But like, I mean that fully seriously. And so finding the, the right people for me has been difficult, but, be, but I wasn't having any luck. And so that's when I, like I mentioned way earlier in the podcast is I just decided, okay, I'll just be the best version of myself and those people will end up in my life. Yeah. Yeah. They'll find their way and, and they'll get rid of the ones who don't need to be there. Oh, yeah, oh. no. Since, since I started being intentional, I stopped. I, I don't really talk to many people above anymore mostly yeah. because they were people that weren't providing value in any way shape or form yeah and that's not cold that's not narcissistic it just is a matter of fact and the fact is is you're on a different path and trajectory than not just most people but definitely most 16 year olds and you understand what brings value is what you need and that does not make you selfish that means you're growing and that's very very good um i want to rewind just a bit i'm going to step in coach mode here and uh, i'm going to be texting you to see what your plan is to go to super training and when, when you're going to approach Mark and what you want to say, this is going to be cool. It'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. I will, uh, eat to the fire. Uh, dude. I, 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 okay. I will say this. This is one thing I love. I love, I love accountability. I love it when someone's like, okay, I'm going to message you. I'm going to make you do this. Um, yeah. that's, that's one of the things I really, uh, really enjoy because it's something that's so lacking in society. Oh, good. Yes. hundred yeah. percent. And especially when like, when it's like, um, I mean, it's happened multiple times before when I talk to someone and then they're like, Hey, uh, I'm going to make you, you're, you're going to go do this. Right. And, and then I, I like helping hold other people accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I get to, I, I have, gra- I graduated the Apogee Strong program, uh, on, on May 1st, it was, a, it, it had been a year since I graduated. So two years since I enrolled and I, since I graduated, I have been an, I've been a battle squad leader, which means I've gotten to help people uh, stay accountable. My job, my job is to host accountability calls and keep people accountable. Um, and uh, I'm excited because uh, Apogee's working on a new platform. 
um, which is going to be like the gamification of the program where, oh. d- where, where you set your objectives and when you achieve them, you get points for it and it's going to be like a belt system. So that's going to be really, really freaking cool. Oh, yeah, that'll be super cool. Yeah, Matt told me you had really stepped up with the leadership role. I, I wasn't sure specific on exactly what that was, but it's cool, man. Like, we're meant to serve, so just keep doing it. When in doubt, serve. Feel funny? Serve. Feel bad? Serve. Depressed? Serve. Go pick up trash. Do something. Just go help folks, and everything will buff itself out. Oh, yeah, it is it is so very true. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of, like, like shift away a little bit from this for a second because I just had a thought pop into my head, and we're to the... Uh, we're, we're to the hour, one hour, 47 minute mark, so yeah, coherency. I mean, people well, are going to start flicking. So I'm not as focused on keeping it on topic, but something like then from, like, um, a, a little while ago, I want to just talk about when I started working out again. I, I, I was at my, my mom's house and I was just feeling crappy, feeling like I couldn't get anything done. And I had a couple things I needed to get done. And I just decided that, okay, I'm going to go for a run and see, uh, see if that helps. And it helped. And usually I would do that and then not do it the next day. But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. tomorrow and I'm going to go do it again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. tomorrow and I'm going to go do it again. You know what? I'm going to get up at... And then, like, this morning, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get up at 5.30 a.m. today and do it. Um, and th- th- that was because of... Uh, I-, I had to do it. Usually, I do need my sleep. I am someone that needs sleep. But it was because um, this morning, I had to go from my mom's to my dad's before 9 a.m., but I also needed to be able to run through my morning the way I run through my morning um, yeah. in order to be efficient. So it was like this, this necessity and then, so running through it there and then, um, and then it, but, but it's just like, at this point it feels more of a, what I do and it's harder for me. It's harder to not work out right now than it is to work out Cool. because I feel crappy if I don't work out like, like not even on just like a mental level on a physical level, Mm -hmm. my body feels way less energized. And if I sleep in, if I sleep in past seven, I feel crappy. Yep. Um, and it's also at this point, it's hard to get a workout in by like 9am cause I'm in California and summer's beginning. So it's like, great. It's 85 degrees already. You know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 you're on it, dude. Just keep on, keep it on. And one day you're going to look back and, be, and like, you're going to look back at where you're at right now. You're like, wow, I've severely outgrown that. But for now, you're at your own high score, right? But you're just going to keep on, keep it on, and everything's going to feel just fine. Absolutely. And that's, it, it's interesting to notice how quickly, because uh, how quickly I got better at doing that little loop that I've been doing at my mom's, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. just much easier. And, and But then the second it got easy, my body's like, okay, now you have a hurt hip, so now you have to make it hard for you again. Yeah. Uh, well, because that hip is uh, from a, an, a lingering inju- injury I, I sustained like three or four years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's a very funny story on how I got this injury. So back when I, I lived in Fair Oaks, which is right right by SAC and all that, uh, and I had neighbors. I still hang out with them from time to time, and we would always play football every single day, flag football uh, on, on the street. And there's a part on the street where there's a slight downhill, right? And I was rushing the passer, and they threw it. I jump up to block the pass, and I land, but like all of my weight goes into one leg, and I completely jam my hip. Oh, dang. 
and it took about six months for that to get to the point where I felt like I could affect it where where there wasn't as much where it didn't feel weird. But mm-hmm. now if I like like do work out real hard, like go for a long run, it'll hurt for a couple of days. So I need to get back to the chiropractor and have them uh, do do something on do some work on that. Racking on you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude that's cool man you like you're living like a just super interesting life like it's cool seeing such an entrepreneurial path get kicked off so early and then also hearing you finding the discipline in the exercise the stigma in the podcast and all this other stuff and um i'm only 34 so i'm not terribly older than you but the years between you and i are very critical uh it's gonna be really cool just to watch all this work you're putting in now unfold and basically create compound interest in your life and what it's going to lead into you know yeah thank you uh, thank you for the the kind words. Uh, the int- so the the hardest part of all this has been the discipline, especially when it comes to working out. Because for a while I wasn't I wasn't raised in a in a way where I was consistently working out. So when it came time to start working out, you know, it's not as as easy as easy of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So what what got you into working out then? Okay, well, a- Apogee, you know, was kind of the real start of working out. Uh, really struggled with it within that though um but that's that's really what got me onto it from time to time you know we all have like those those like 3 a.m rushes where we randomly decide you know what now i'm gonna work out you know something like that Uh, i've had i had those throughout the years but it was most it was it was apogee 100 150 that uh that got me to start down that path and it's really apogee that got me to start down the path of all of this mm-hmm. like okay starting a podcast i got inspired by the conversations i had on the apogee calls and all of the different things i'm doing right now i wouldn't be doing them if it weren't for apogee if it weren't for matt i mean it, it, it at the end of the day it has completely changed my life and it is if if so if i could give someone else like like at my you know 14 years old you know struggling to find where they want to go if i were to give you any young man who's struggling to find their purpose struggling and maybe doesn't enjoy what they're doing in school my number one thing would be go to apogeestrong.com and and get your parents to sign you up for that yeah it will be if you stick to the roadmap it will be the most impactful thing you ever do. Now, some it, it, you might not recognize it right away. Mind yeah. you, I didn't really feel the benefits until a year and a half after after the program, after joining the program. That first year, which is when I'm running through the challenges, it was, there was a lot of issues within my household. And mm-hmm. so it made it very difficult. But the main ish, issue for me was just I wasn't mature enough to get these things done. But I still worked hard and tried my best. And now, now later on, it's like there's n- it's so blatant how much I gained from it. Mm-hmm. And so that would be if that would be the one message I would deliver to any young man because it impacted me so much. Would you say you became what you needed? I would be. Yes, absolutely. Weird how that works out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been fun. Dude. This, I feel like we could go for another two or three hours. Yeah, uh, but, but again, I went for a long podcast and I forgot to bring water. I had the water upstairs. I had the yeah, moving, but uh, yeah. I mean, I've got. Oh man, this has been great. I, I just want to give you a, another really, really 
big thank you for coming on here and thank you for making the time for me i mean most we're we're basically doubling what my normal episodes look like <laughs> and no, no 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 oops man don't don't even don't even say that it's been like i i love these episodes that run longer usually they i i i oftentimes i only ask for an hour of my guests time because at the end of the day your time any guest's time is very valuable and i don't want to take up too much of that but there's a reason joe rogan runs for three hours you know because you get to dive in deeper and deeper and deeper into these things and build um at the end of the day a better connection so thank you so much oh dude thank you pleasure was all mine and i I don't feel like we've been going for almost two hours now. I feel like we just started. Like I know. The conversation was good. We hit the flow state that people so often seek, but we didn't seek the flow state. We just started talking, man, and cool conversations unpacked, and it's been a pleasure to come on here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. There's something interesting where certain guests kind of stand out to me when they come on, and it ju- we do get into that flow state, and mm-hmm. it does happen often, but with this one especially it was just like what it's already been two hours yeah i know i gotta i literally gotta go pick up my kids from school soon so yeah and i'm like i'm like dang um i still have uh i still have lots of stuff to do you know I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but, but, but it's like, Hey, I mean, it's only noon at here at least. Um, and, and so I have like all the time in the world to, to knock out what I need to knock out. Um, but yeah, so thank you for coming on again. I I can't stress how much this means and I'm definitely gonna, gonna hit you up for some, some, some workout, workout suggestions. Cause that is the biggest help in the world, especially for me who doesn't have the, uh, that's not my expertise. I have no expertise in, uh, working out. So not to keep us going, I can feel as we're trying to wrap up here. You know, if you go talk to Mark Bell in person, you'll have a world-class dude at your fingertips to help you train and you can train there for free. So, hey, more excuses to go see Mark Bell. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So, so, so the message of this episode is, uh, go, 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 go see the, the, the Mark Bell near you. Uh, yes. There's only one Mark Bell though, so good luck finding one near you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, actually, most of my listener base is in California. Perfect. They're not too far then. So, uh, yeah, they're like in, they're like a 20 minute drive from Mark Bell. So, oh. so, um, go find Mark Bell. Don't stalk him though. You don't want to mess with that guy too much. Um, any, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys at home for watching. I'm Parker Imerl. I've been talking to, <laughs> I just like, <laughs> You're just like dude, Mark, we've got to stop. No, my, my voice is dying. Literally. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it now. Try, try again. Uh, all right. Thank you guys at home for watching. I'm Parker Imerl. I've been talking to John Richards, and this has been The Conversation Station.